Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian. This is Maggie. And on this episode, we are joined by the fabulous Emma. Hello. I'm so glad I get to be fabulous today. (laughs) (laughs) You're fabulous every day. Let's be honest. Most. (laughs) So on this episode, uh, Emma is joining us to do the 1986 cult classic Labyrinth. As I believe we mentioned on our last canon episode, um, our third year anniversary is happening theoretically the day this is released. Um, And so when we do our anniversary episodes, we like to pick movies that are considered maybe not classics, but cult classics. Um, Maybe they wouldn't have won the best picture at the Oscars, but they might have won it the best picture in our hearts. And again, like I said, at the end of that episode, uh, they are considered culturally significant by the library of Ian and Maggie. (laughs) Um, So Labyrinth was a 1986 musical fantasy film directed by Jem Henson. It was actually the last film he directed. Um, It stars Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie, as well as many, many puppets from the Jem Henson creature shop. And it follows the teenaged Sarah on her quest through the titular Labyrinth to rescue her brother. And then I think the rest of the background I'll just sprinkle in as we go, uh, depending on how derailed we get. Yeah, I was going to say your synopsis is so banal compared to this movie. (laughs) I just, you know, I was like, we're going to keep it sweet and simple because um, I want to jump into this absolutely bonkers ride. Okay, well, let's do it. So we open with our character, Sarah, LARPing. And uh, reading, I guess, the book Labyrinth, it's like it's a weird kind of framing device that this movie uses where like she's reading the book Labyrinth and I guess memorizing it. Was it a book or is it meant to be like a play? So the so the script for this went through like many, many iterations. Uh, Terry Jones of Monty Python fame is actually given the main writing credit, but He did like a first draft early on. And so a lot of people contributed different sections, which is that's why it feels like 18 movies in one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I I think we can all agree that part of the reason we love this movie is David Bowie. And the other part is the visual treat that it is. But, um, you know, dialogue and strong plot structure. Not so much. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say to that other than the writing is shitty. But uh, but actually in one, at least one of the early versions, if not the earliest version, like the idea was that she was like rehearsing for a play. So it very well could have also been a play that she was memorizing lines for. I could not tell. Uh, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. That whole setup is completely pointless. Like, why is it raining in the setup? We don't know. We don't care. So that by the time she gets home, she's cold and wet and irritable so that she could be really mean to her stepmom. Yeah. Is there a point in there where she gets magically dry as well? There is. So she like immediately goes up to her room after the dog, sadly, Merlin gets sent to the garage and she's at her like a little vanity. Vanity. Thank you. That's the word. Uh, Brushing her dry hair. Yes. (laughs) But the timelines don't quite make sense because she gets home and her parents are in a rush to leave. But then all of a sudden, yeah, they're t- leaving still, but her hair is perfectly dry. And she's this this girl's got a lot of hair. I was, it, it was noteworthy. Yeah, I was going to say Jennifer Conley's hair does not dry quickly. <laughs> no, it's thick and luscious. I wish mine looked half like that. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, the the whole setup here is like she is having to watch her step brother as her dad and stepmother go out for a night out, you know, like date night. And she is really put off by this. It's not fair, you guys. It's not, especially it's not after fair. she spent all day cleaning the house. It was except for that bit where she was running around in a field. No, no, Maggie, you heard her speech in her little brother's room about this, like, not so thinly veiled story that was her about, like, Cinderella, but not Cinderella. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, surprise. Yes. It just all clearly struck me as men writing what they thought teenage girls thought about. Yes. I, yeah. Absolutely. Which, which, like, not to, like, belittle some of the other more interesting bits of the story, but but absolutely was clearly a bunch of men writing what they thought a 16-year-old it's, girl thinks. It's clunky dialogue. A lot of it I felt was like, this sounds like a 12-year-old, not a 16-year-old. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. And I do think that, like, they're doing a massive amount of, like, info dump because they're like, okay, cool, whatever. Let's get to the cool stuff. Yes. So fair. I will say, and I will bring it up multiple times, I do not like how they info dump in this film. No. Like, they do it a lot. Yes. And they shouldn't. But yes. that's fine. So anyway, she calls the Goblin King. Well, I want to talk first about as we're going through like her room, there's a lot of visual foreshadowing that's really okay, great. Okay. So we'll bring that up kind of as it comes along. But like as we pan through like books in her room, which a lot of those books are sort of like children's or what would have been like YA before YA fantasy novels, a lot of which were very much inspirations for the story in general. Um, we have her teddy bear Lancelot. Who comes back up? Um, because who would name a teddy bear Lancelot? But okay. Uh, am I going to call you out on that? You um, don't have to. <laughs> well, I sort of just did. You don't have to. <laughs> God, Ian, what, what is it I have to say again to get the Goblin King to take you away? I'll remember before this podcast is over. <laughs> um, but yes, you have her brother who won't stop crying. And then she goes and tells the story. And part of it is her saying like... Not exactly, I wish the Goblin King would take you away, because apparently saying it exactly is really important. And the exact wording is also really boring. <laughs> I feel like it's the specification of right now. <laughs> like the goblins are like, do we go? Do we do we go? I did really like this back and forth where she's like like hinging on saying, I wish the goblins would take you away, or I wish the goblin. And the goblins are like, oh, she didn't quite say it right. There's like, one guy yeah. being like, oh, did she say it? Yeah. yeah they're, like, they're, Shut up. There's clearly a slow one in the group. <laughs> like, it was a really kind of cute back and forth interaction that really got you, like, yeah. teed up for the Muppets vibe that was gonna persist. For sure. Yeah. I, I love that visual gag that they kind of ran through the whole thing with, with that, the cutting back and forth. The comedy is good. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, and then I think just like the like talking about very, you know, abstractly the goblins, then all of a sudden they're like, well, here they are. And I wasn't quite expecting like them to just be like, oh, it's it, there's little I don't know. Were they in a box? Like what were it seemed like they were framed in something very nicely. But, don't think too hard. But, but yeah, exactly. In don't, my but, mind, there is no this. This cannot possibly be correct because there is nothing that would like. Were they in the mirror? Indicate that this, that was my thought. I got, I got the same vibes. I'm like, oh, they're in the okay. mirror. And I don't, crazy. I don't know how they like, like conveyed that, but, yes. I, but I'm visually like, the, okay, this story well, has a lot of issues, but <laughs> visually and what it's able to convey, I, I do not okay. think it's lacking in any way. Okay. I, I got a similar vibe. Okay. I'm not crazy. I'm standing yeah, by I it. I just wasn't going to say so it because I thought I'd sound crazy. <laughs> 
Okay. I'll, are say, you, I'll say it first, girl, and you can back me up. <laughs> are you all really worried about sounding crazy while talking about this movie of all movies? <laughs> also, we're like 75 episodes into this podcast. Can you imagine if I started worrying about sounding crazy now? I mean, I came because I thought we were reviewing Muppets Treasure Island. So <laughs> after, after we're done recording. Um, but... Suddenly, this movie takes like a really sharp, like tonal twist. And let me tell you, which I love. Same. And the performance by Jennifer Connolly. Jennifer Connolly. Yes. Thank you. I'm on my second glass of champagne. Don't give me that look. I am too. Chomps, chomps, chomps. <laughs> uh, like took this really great improvement. And it's because I think you mentioned it while we were watching. She didn't have the really clunky lines. Yeah. And was able to actually act. No, she's like a good actress. And I think she does a great job in this, you know, for all of the really, really bad dialogue that she gets. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it turns into a sort of this like horror vibe, which I kind of wish they just run with throughout the movie. Um, but they definitely go more heavy on the comedy, which was a conscious choice because um, the previous movie that Henson, I think it's uh, Froud or Frode, F-R-O-U-D. I forgot to look it up. But um, their partnership in Dark Crystal, which was done in 82, like that's a much darker, more serious film. So I think they definitely wanted to go lighter with this, but I kind of wish they'd stayed darker. I'm glad they didn't. I do really bad with scary movies. And I know this is a child's <laughs> movie, but it kind of, you know, basically when you knew the baby had something had happened to it and she was walking back to the crib. I was like, God help me. If there is a goblin in this thing, I will scream and I will be so embarrassed. Okay. And the sound was there to make you think really there was, was a goblin. It really was. Um, on an unrelated note, Emma, what are you doing in October? <laughs> uh, not, not to come back. No, no, I do. <laughs> I'm, I do very poorly with it's fine. Movies. So do I, you can pull a Maggie and watch the entirety of the movie through a slit in your fingers. I covered my eyes the vast majority of my, Halloween. My preference is a loosely weaved yarn blanket that I can put over my head and sometimes peek through the no, yarn. No, that's what on. the pillow you hold in front of you is for, <laughs> so you can just like stick your nose over top of it, like a dwarf in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm. Yep. To each their own. Or like the goblins. Or the goblins. <laughs> so, anyway, the Goblin King arrives. Ian, the Goblin King doesn't arrive. David Bowie arrives. Okay. But as an owl. That's <laughs> true. You're so right. <laughs> and why? You know, I only had a couple questions throughout this whole movie. And we'll get to a few of the other ones. But one of them is, why Why is he an owl as a goblin? Like, it's something so pure. Because owls are wise and so are goblin kings. I was so I excited. You, I thought you were going somewhere legitimate with that. <laughs> I saw her facial expression <laughs> and I knew it was going somewhere great. I was just like, okay, let's see where this goes. <laughs> looking at the two of you, Emma's face was saying, yes, thank you for explaining to me. Ian's was, I can't wait to hear what bullshit you were about. To <laughs> and, that's, right and, that's, now. and that's the difference of this being my second episode with you versus 74. Yep. Anyway. Um, so, so yes, as an owl and does this really fun crystally bally trick thing. I love this. The wolf, wolf, juggling. Wolf. As I think the what really sets the stage for me and for the mm -hmm. labyrinth is as he turns from the owl into his natural goblin king form in an explosion <laughs> of glitter. Oh, I forgot. Guys, there is oh so much goodness. glitter in this. And I feel like yes, that's weirdly yes. a theme of 80s fantasy movies. Um, and I'm here for it. We talked about this offline, but there are like there's a period of time in the 80s 
where I think everyone was like, we're going to make fantasy movies happen because they'd kind of been few and far between Mm -hmm. before that. And they were like, how do you do fantasy just like you do everything else in the 80s with glitter (laughs) (laughs) and lots of makeup? And I'm not mad at it. No. Oh, yeah. the cloud of glitter. I had forgotten but the, about but that. But the cloud of glitter really just like it set the stage for the rest of the movie and and for for David Bowie literally entering into the scene and what is superb makeup, a the weirdest um, faux front and back mullet thing that was going on with his hair. And I was here for every moment of it. It's called a goblin do. <laughs> the gob do. <laughs> it's all the rage in the goblin city, you guys. Uh, yes. So anyway, there's this like pleading back and forth again, not great dialogue, but we're going to gloss over that because the important thing is we now have our quest. Sarah must get her baby brother back from the Goblin King. I just, I want to talk about how this also kind of sets up a visual thing that they do a lot. Um, because one of the things that I had trouble with this movie was I was like, what are the rules of this world? And I think the answer is there are none. Um, yeah, that wasn't one of my questions. (laughs) Well, you know what? That's what I'm here for. The, those deep, deep questions like, what are the rules, you guys? How am I supposed to navigate this if I don't know the rules? If, no, I, I, I watched it and I was like, this checks out. Yeah. <laughs> if I looked at Ian right now as he annoys me in whatever really bad pun he decides to make further in this podcast. And I was like, I wish the goblins would take you away right now. And Ian poofed away and I am suddenly turned to a window to just see a, po- a post-apocalyptic looking labyrinth and castle and they plonked me down in this world and we're like you have to get to the castle to save your podcast host i'd be like okay but what are the rules and then they'd be like there are none and i'd break down no he there were rules you had how many how long did she have to go get her brother a time limit can't be the only rule emma checked out to me Okay, but I also don't want to sit here and enumerate every single rule of the real world. So your time limit's going to run out by the time your rules get enumerated. The time limit is like negotiable too. Like the time limit doesn't even exist. He changes it later. Well, that's kind of her own fault. You know what? Mm -hmm. Don't blame me. I'm just here trying to save my podcast host. Which is appreciated, but also I'm going to judge you the entire time. God, why am I even trying to save him? I better have a glass of wine <laughs> in my hand the entire time I'm trying to navigate that maze. Uh, just being like, Ian! Okay, so, 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 we have our thing set up. We have the beautiful visual of that, like, fun clock that comes back a, a couple different times. And we have Hoggle. <sighs> Not so beautiful. But yeah. he has heart. Does he? As he's Ish. as he's killing fairies when we first are stunning. Okay, as he, as he drugs her with a peach. Okay, you're getting way ahead of where we whoa, are in the story. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I can't handle the time changes. <laughs> so now you're into rules, Emma. <laughs> it checks out in the movie, but not in our podcast. Okay. But I did love the like, how dare you kill these fairies? And then the fairy like bites off her finger, not off. Just just like nips at it. It's like the indication that like, oh, yeah, those fairy tales that you were like super into. Mm, Not real. (laughs) Or that is actually what those fairy tales were like. They weren't all, you know, read the original Grimm's fairy tales. That shit's that shit's dark. Those fairies would kill you. They really would. They would. And I do want to note as well that he lets her into the, the labyrinth and everything is still glittery. So much glitter. There's literally a tree branch in the middle of the path that is just 
coated in glitter. They were like, you let could, me do glitter hairspray. Mm-hmm. You could tell they gave it to an intern. The intern was really excited. They were like, my job is to glitter this tree branch. <laughs> I will do it the best possible. Otherwise, they won't ask me back for a full-time position. Yeah. <laughs> so that tree branch was notable. So glittery. Very notable. And we also do, once she finally gets exasperated, which I do want to say that Jennifer Connelly did great as she was like running through the labyrinth. Yeah. Emotions wise, she's she's great as she's walking through and it's just straight, straight, straight. And she's like, you know, what's going on? It's a labyrinth. It's mm-hmm. I'm supposed to take turns. I'm supposed to. And she can't. And she like, you know, takes off running at some point. She, you know, you can tell the desk, you know, she's starting to feel desperation, exhaustion. She's going through different emotions and she she stops finally and starts banging on these walls. And I think at this point in time, kind of just like slumps down mm-hmm. against like like she is you know, at her wits end. So luckily there's a caterpillar there. Who is my favorite character? Like legitimately, except for Ludo, my second favorite character. The caterpillar is my favorite. With the like somewhat hackney accent. No, not hackney. Cockney. Cockney? I don't know. I think I say hackney and I think that's very wrong. Isn't a hackney like a coach? It was like a little two horse coach or something. You'd call a hackney coach in Maybe. Victorian times. I'll just Google just it. Me. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I love, I, but I love how all of a sudden a worm is British and is like, come in and have some tea and meet the missus. <laughs> well, and he's telling her the whole, everything's not as it seems, which is exactly true because eventually she's like, well, there's no like openings. Like mm-hmm. how am I supposed to get to the castle? He's like, well, there's one right across from you. Or he's like, there's one right across from you. Yeah. More like, more like the second. <laughs> But this is where we like, I mean, the set design up until that point has been great. But like, I just I love that they're like, this is all about visuals and optical illusions and Mm -hmm. shit. Like, so they build the optical illusion into the set and you get to see her fully interact with it. And it's such a good one. I wrote down the set designer, um, but I can't. Where is it? It, As you're looking, it really threw me like to watch her walk through it. I'm like, wait, what just like you, you don't like there's no shimmer or anything like as she goes through. It's nothing computer graphics. It's literally they have designed the set so well that you visually when they're shooting it cannot mm-hmm. see the difference until she walks behind the wall that she just passed through. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. It was Elliot Scott who did production design. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys noticed there was another one that really got me like later on in the movie. And I think we'll miss it. But it was a face. And if you looked at it straight on, you saw a face. And as you start to get more of an oblique angle, it actually was like three different rocks that they had pieced together to form a face. Yeah. So it it distorted as the, uh-huh. it was so good. Well, and it gives it that very like fantasy dreamlike Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. type of thing, which I think they were very much going for an Alice in Wonderland vibe. But I feel like Alice in Wonderland has more rules. There's a little bit more of guidance there. You know that you just follow that white rabbit with the clock and it'll be fine. I mean, they do share in common the amount of tripping that everybody does. And a caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, very true on both counts. <laughs> um, anyway, she she's doing her thing. She's going through. I think we get a random musical number by David Bowie talking about his child. And how you remind me of Babe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm here Bizarre. for 
I'm what here babe? for the every, with the power? With power. every musical number by David Bowie. Fun fact. So the whole you remind me of the babe thing is actually an allusion to the 1947 The Bachelor and the Bobby Soccer starring Cary Grant, Myrna Loy and Shirley Temple. And there's like a whole it's uh, in that one. It's you remind me of the man. What man? The man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo. You do. And then it starts all over. Do what? Remind me of the man. It starts over. So that's what they're alluding to in the opening of that song. Oh. Knowledge dropping over here. It's the last factoid I'm going to drop. That's not true. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> don't make me call you up twice <laughs> on mentioned. the same episode. Oh my God. Why hasn't the Goblin King just taken you yet? <laughs> I've asked nicely. So uh, Sarah is progressing through the maze. She does some really smart things like try and write arrows on stones that then get mischievously like flipped over and rotated and stuff by this little puppet, which again, the the puppeteering and the like little puppet design is well, and how they're amazing. playing with scale too mm-hmm. and always having like Jennifer Conley and then the like uh, smaller puppets or uh, I guess they're all puppets. So I was gonna say or actors, but I think they're all puppets. Um, yeah. But I also like that Sarah's not stupid. Yeah, well, just the like going back to it, the when you do not have have the aid of computers nearly as much, just mm-hmm. the mass, the mastery of scale and shooting and the visual illusion. And I think just some of that has been lost today. You know, we get we can rely on computers. We can get a little lazy to shrink people down. But just like it looks better. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it it is when when you have a really good, you know, visual setup it is really cool to to see it in action i feel like you just don't get to appreciate that as much anymore yeah and i mean you know i critique you know criticize the film a little bit saying like oh i think it was a film where they had like an idea or Mm -hmm. they had the visual in mind before they really went into a script which like is fine and i think definitely true but also like when your visuals are that cool i understand being like i have this cool idea we have to get it in there and people still want to watch it, which yeah. is why we watched it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, right after that set, we get a quick set, uh, like progression of a couple really fun scenes. One with the playing cards and the logic puzzle, which she, she aces. And I was sitting there like, oh, God, how do I solve this? Wait, I thought I was smarter than this. It's a classic logic puzzle. Have you never heard of it before? I have heard of it before. It and it get me every I've time. I've heard the solution to it before. I know it would get me every time. And it still gets me. I'm sorry, Ian, but you have to stay with the Goblin King. I'm stumped there. I go to certain death. <laughs> Me and my wine glass, we're gone to the bog of eternal stench. I'm sorry. Yeah, That's but, not death. But, that's just stench. Eh, might as well be. But yeah, it was the classic one. One will always lie and one will always tell the truth. One of these doors leads to death. One of them leads to the way you're going. And how do you figure it out? And like, I mean, I like to think I've got myself a master's degree and all that. And like, I even know the question. And every time I got to be like, wait a minute, uh, I'm supposed to ask one of you what you say or what the other guy said. And, and what are you supposed to say? Yes, sir. I mean, I was just really waiting for like a what is your favorite color? That's really what I can track with, to be honest. Blue. No, wait. No, wait. Oh. But I think what confuses me is she aced it, didn't she? But Mm -hmm. then the next scene, she or the next she she goes through the door and then he immediately falls in the hole. But that's not certain death. She doesn't die. She certainly doesn't die. No, I guess she doesn't. It seemed pretty terrifying, though, to me. Yeah. But we get maybe the best puppetry in the entire movie. Legitimately, my favorite 
I think it's probably my favorite scene. It's I think it's one of it's probably the second most iconic okay. scene in the movie. Let, we need to let Ian describe it. We're just like making them hang on too much. I know you're you're giving me like film blue balls here. <laughs> 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 but it's she's falling down like a mine shaft and there are just all of these hands in the wall and they catch her. And as they're talking, they make like hand puppet faces that talk. But each face is different. Exactly. Like, and that is the beauty of this. Like how the hands come together to speak is like different in each way and how they're oriented. And also that they are in in their collective helping hands. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, it's it, the choreography and like the timing that that would have taken is amazing. So it was 75 performers. Um, and they were augmented by an additional 200 foam rubber hands just to kind of like fill out the set. But but yeah, no, it was incredible. But then they ask her, they go, we are helping hands. Would you rather go up or down? And like she who the heck who who in their right mind goes, I'd rather go down into the pit. She's like, well, I'm already facing that way. And I'd be like, no, take me up. No, no, there is sunlight up above. There is nothing down below. Also, I solved the puzzle. Like, Like, take me back up and let me watch it. Like she just demonstrated her brilliance. And then she's like, nah, but put me down in the pit. Okay, but again, we've we've established that the writing. Oh, you know why she went down to the pit, Emma? Why? Because they needed to have the next fun puppetry sequence. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is so fun in the oubliette. Which the oubliette. one that word is my favorite. Throughout this, we're like cutting back and forth to Jareth, the goblin king, who like seems to be a great babysitter. I'm just oh, yeah. gonna say very paternal. Um, but they're like, she's in the oubliette, and he's like, the oubliette. She it. shouldn't have made it this far. I mean, they just say oubliette a lot, and I like it. And I just love that anytime David Bowie looks at anything, it's like he wants to make love to it. So, like, he looks at the camera and he's like, she shouldn't have made it that far. And I'm like, he wants to have sex with me right now, <laughs> <laughs> which excites me greatly. I must also add. <laughs> but but no, like he is so intense. And I mean, for how bad the dialogue is, I am hooked on every word he is saying. Like I hook, line and sinker. I am invested. I, in don't, his- I don't know how he saves some of that dialogue with his delivery, but he does. Yes. Also, in our <laughs> Best Pictures podcast scenario where Ian is now... Uh, <laughs> chilling with the Goblin King. I'm like, Emma, like, I go save Ian. And Emma's like, yes. <laughs> She's like, wait, wait, is Goblin King David Bowie? And I'm like, yes. Is he going to be there? Does uh, he, and then I asked, does Ian want to be saved? I don't know, but we got to release be- because, another episode. Because we weekend. really debated if Toby, the baby, was better off with David Bowie as his father or back with his normal boy. <laughs> Ian, are you better off with David Bowie or me? <laughs> don't answer that. Do not make me answer that question. <laughs> That is such an unfair question. God, I just burned myself. (laughs) I do have a theory, though, about like David Bowie and like the lines in this is I think like I buy him delivering these lines because he is just theatrical in Mm -hmm. nature. Yes. And these lines are written in a theatrical manner. Like they're not like natural. They're not. But like when he, you know, like with his stage presence delivers them, even though he is not an actor, he clearly has a presence. Wait, do you not use the word oubliette on a daily basis? I mean, he 
butchered that like he now butchered is the wrong word but <laughs> killed it killed that word those things both mean the same thing and two entirely different things this is why i don't speak a lot guys welcome to english it's great over here <laughs> but but yeah no he 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 killed the delivery and like i was like i was like yeah i want to be in david bowie's oubliette <laughs> i didn't know what an oubliette was but i want to be in it <laughs> but but no i think i oh, think boy. part of it has to go with just he is naturally a performer and theatrical. So when he's delivering mm-hmm. these like not completely natural, more theatrical lines, like I said, I'm in hook, line and sinker. Agreed. I think he's a great choice. Apparently um, there were a couple other actors, like actual like actors considered. Um, oh, one of whom was Kevin Klein, which I was like, can kind of see it. But I was like, he's got the theatricality, but like David Bowie, come on. Mm-hmm. No other. No and, the, other and the flamboyance. Yes. Oh, yeah. That yeah. You, yes. I'm sorry, but nobody else can appear in a cloud of glitter. <laughs> In those tight, tight pants. <laughs> the tightest of pants. We were talking, so we were trying to see if we we're like, Emma, maybe you could be <laughs> Jared for Halloween. <laughs> we're like, we gotta get you some tight pants. <laughs> and a sock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Sarah is in the oubliette running into uh, Hogwarts. Hoggle. I'm sorry, Hoggle. <laughs> no one says Hoggle's name right. Oh. <laughs> but like, I can only feel so bad for Hoggle. Because he, he is kind of self-serving and yeah he's he's just self-serving he's doing what he needs to do to like not get on the bad side he's of so the king rude okay it's fine he lets her out with this really cool door that just leans up against the wall and depending on which way you open it you go to different places i'm like i want that door in my house so i can have a closet <laughs> and by, a garage and like a patio all in no, one door by different places you mean a broom closet or the way out <laughs> <laughs> So, Ian, you can either have a room closet or the way out. I mean, both of those things are necessary. So one door, safe space. Anyway, they get out and the hall of faces telling them that they're going to go to their certain doom. This was a really fun scene as well. Like, again, with the visuals that they're just like, it felt like they needed to move them to the next really interesting idea. But it was fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's not so much... uh, a plot that is moving us forward. It is vignettes and visuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my favorite bit of that too was where Hoggle is letting them, the faces talk at first, eventually goes, yes, yes, we know where we're going. We know we're going to doom. And the last face was really sad. And he's like, Oh, I haven't, I haven't gotten to deliver my doom speech in a long time. Can I just, just, and Hoggle goes just once, just don't expect a reaction. He goes, Oh, oh of course. Like, like, like it was like a business transaction. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hoggle's done this before. Um, this is also, this is when they're in the tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. With the boring machine. With the boring machine. Which which was not boring. Which apparently, it's like coming down the tunnel and Ian and I were just like, ooh, scary machine. And Emma's like, is that a boring machine? And we're like, what? And she's like, is it open face or closed face? (laughs) Guys, it's specifically a tunnel boring machine. Because it's a large diameter. Hi, I'm a, I'm my, my day job is a civil engineer. (laughs) And I had literally just done a series of presentations on tunnel boring machines. And I went, oh, my, this is actually strangely accurate to real life. Okay. And, and Maggie Even- goes, so how would we escape this? And I go, she's like, if I phoned you for help. I'm yeah, like, well- if I'm like, Emma, I'm saving Ian from the Goblin King. And I was like, <laughs> why is Ian with the Goblin King? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. And I'm okay. like, there's a boring machine after me. What do I do? First off, I'd be really impressed that you knew what a tunnel boring machine is. <laughs> well, Emma, you showed me that presentation. Of course, I know what a tunnel boring machine <laughs> is. Yeah. And we can use TBM for now to sound really cool. Okay. Um, okay. You're right. 
Which um, so how do I turn off this TVM that's chasing me? <laughs> so, you know, first question would be, is it an open face or a closed face? I, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Um, is there a hole that you can hold on, go Hold on, through? hold on. It's being really loud. Let me just run a little bit further away. <laughs> okay, yes. Sorry, continue. So, so no hole in the front? No hole in the front. All right, so not oh, open shit. face. I'm sorry, I just tripped when I looked over my shoulder. Mm. Let me let me get back up. Hold on. I, oh, I, shit, I, stole I, my wine. Yeah, I'm going to have to let you know. You're going to have to run faster because you're oh, screwed. Fuck, good thing I'm wearing my tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but needless to say, it is a highly realistic tunnel boring machine that they run from. It even has people inside. As, yes. As they yes. like go by, it's like two goblins on a bicycle. Which um, <laughs> we don't quite use bicycles in the real world, but someone does indeed ride within the tunnel boring machine in real life. What, you're telling me they're not manpowered these days? Um, no, usually not. Wow, we've come so far. And we really have. It's amazing how our technology is far beyond that of the Goblin City. <laughs> in the 1980s. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I, I think really next next big character introduction we get is Ludo, which is oh, my yeah. favorite Just, character. They do escape by banging down a side door in the side tunnel. And oh, the yeah, tunnel bar machine passes. And then they're like, oh, look, a ladder. Just, just you know, so you guys weren't weren't worried. Uh, yeah, I, I just assumed they assumed because I said there was another character. <laughs> Sarah dies a horrific death and then we just jump to Ludo. <laughs> I mean, I'm OK with this film. I'll just watch the adventures of Ludo all day. <laughs> But poor Ludo is getting poked and prodded by these little goblins with these little piranha-y things on the end of sticks. Well, it comes back to this idea of not everything's as it seems, right? Mm. Because um, Hoggle runs away because he's a scaredy cat. And then Sarah's like, no, I'm brave. And everything's not as it seems. So then instead of it being this like really scary thing, see, I'm perfect for this part. I'm okay. You just visualize it. <laughs> well, I remember my reaction. I'm like, or sometimes it is. <laughs> Let's not tempt fate, Sarah. Um, but anyway, she goes over there and she finds the quote, big scary thing that was making the sound is actually Ludo, who is trying to escape the little piranha-y things. Poor guy. But some rocks like roll up to her and she is uh, like needs to go play some baseball because that's some good overhand throws right at the goblins. I mean, I think Alabama gave her a call for next quarterback <laughs> at the end of this movie. <laughs> and she rescu rescues Ludo, who's like Sarah friend. <laughs> yeah. Ludo's my favorite. So lovable. He's our, our next member of the team. And then we get the knockers scene, which I realized my phrasing was not great. <laughs> I'm staring at the Chrissy Teigen book that my microphone is sitting upon. Those are some really um, excellent knockers. Now I'm thinking of Young Frankenstein. <laughs> knockers. Oh, thank you, Doctor. <laughs> okay, well, let me rephrase. There are two doors and two brass door knockers. One on each door. One has the... The door knocker so that it's like stuck in its ears and the other one has it so it's in its mouth. So we get a little bit of commentary of like one can't hear, one can't talk. And they have such a funny dialogue where they're just ranting at each other about not being able to hear or not being able to talk. Like, you're mumbling. I can't hear you. You're the worst conversation partner you ever. never listen. <laughs> I mean, I just thought like the brilliance of like, this is how you typically see knockers. And like, if they were to be real, just like the real world problems they would encounter with either yeah. the knocker being in their mouth or like looped through their, like, it just shows the creativity. And I really think the brilliance of Jim Henson that mm -hmm. he brings to all of his movies and all of his puppets. And even just like the diversity of all these puppets, there's not a goblin that looks alike when they were doing the helping hands. Mm -hmm. There's not a set of hands that looks like there's another scene that is probably the most terrible 
terrifying to me in which none of the characters looked alike. It would have been really easy to make five or six characters that all look the exact same. None of them looked alike. When again, this is like super early and like CGI and stuff. So you don't really have like where it's like duplicating a crowd. Like mm-hmm. every puppet we're seeing in the magic dance song is a puppet. Yeah. The magic dance song, which does come up basically now, basically now. What the hell was going on? It's terrifying. Is well, it was funny because we had a conversation as the tunnel boring machine, the TBM, was going through. And Ian goes, This was the part that scared me the most as a child. And then we get to the magic dance scene. Oh no, that you're thinking this is the masquerade. No, wait. No, no, no. The one with the like orange puppets yeah. that no, take that's, off their heads. That's the fire gang. So the magic dance scene is the one that starts with the bachelor and the Bobby Soxers. Uh, illusion and where they're just all walking up and going like dance magic dance that's a fun one this is the fire gang that you're oh yeah we're definitely thinking yes when you said magic dance i was like they magically lit a fire so obviously saying the name of a song (laughs) (laughs) no ian i just jumped straight to the most terrifying part in our mind (laughs) where they take their limbs off i agree this is a terrifying thing um it's also very clearly was um quote unquote green screened. Mm-hmm. It was actually filmed in front of just like black velvet so they could hide the puppeteers because they are uh, a very mobile yes puppeteering setup. Um but then they like did the like overlay with like the forest background. And apparently Jim Henson was not super thrilled with like the way it came together at the end visually, which I understand why. Mm-hmm. But he loved the like puppetry aspect of it mm-hmm. and was like, this is really cool puppetry. Like we should keep it in because of yeah. that. Uh, it it did not like it was one it was a bad green screen job is kind of how it looked it also traumatized us as children well not me not but that's like i've watched a few movies now where i'm like i remember this part really creeped me out as a child and i watch as an adult not not the same and there's different things that kind of because watching just them all kind of like gyrate and dance around gyrate. no it freaked me out as a child also freaks me out as an adult okay well you, you yeah. were a fully developed child I, yes but like and then them like removing their limbs and like tossing them around then some of them walked by like they were dancing they had all legs some of them had all arm and it, there was just something grotesque and fascinating and i was like i think probably what you said with jim henson was like it was spot on the puppetry was amazing yeah. but yeah it was bad it was bad green screen which i think goes to show visually what they did with the rest of the movie just that they did it without that aid and it was mm-hmm. incredible yeah so major plot point to just set up the king does not want hoggle to help sarah and has been like you need to give her this piece of fruit oh also at this point he's already adjusted the time frame because it, i think it was the post the tbm um he adjusted the time frame and there's also he's like sitting in a disguise which emma and i separately <laughs> had the same thought that the disguise he was wearing looks like the character that gives Billy Bones the black spot in Muppet Treasure Island. Yes. And then neither of us said anything because we're like, no, that can't be right until one of us finally said something. Well, I think kind of what happened was I'm like, we pause for a brownie break naturally um, and more chomps. And I went that puppet that David Bowie was disguised as like, looks really familiar i'm trying to think if it was i i said muppets christmas carol first another one of my favorites <laughs> and maggie goes no it looks like that puppet that gave billy bow and i'm like oh my god you're they probably you know and it was just kind of cool seeing that puppet it yeah. was so brief here but it's such a distinctive puppet in that movie that both maggie and i independently recognized yeah. it 
they're a lot of work. I've heard that a lot of the puppets do get reused mm-hmm. and repurposed just because they're they're expensive. I love it. And it a means, lot of work. Does that mean the puppet treasure or Muppet Treasure Island and Labyrinth are in the same universe? We're oh, gonna say yes. The Muppet universe. Of the Muppet universe. So the question is, is Treasure Island on the other side of the castle? I don't know where the coast is in relation to the to Goblin City and I thought it was a coastal it, city. Is it is it check check out one of those towers while you're up there chilling with the Goblin King, please? And then we'll go join Tim Curry as he finds treasure. Could it perhaps be past the what is it? The bog of eternal stink. <laughs> yes. Which is where we are now in the film. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they so they escape this so she meets up with Ludo. They go to this weird um the fire dance the fire yeah. dancing gang and um She's actually pulled out of that by Hoggle, who David Bowie has said, you must give her this peach. Classic fantasy betrayal. Uh-huh. And so all of a sudden, oh, oh, how they get there. She thanks Hoggle. And well, he doesn't give her the PG yet. And he's been like, well, she says she's my friend. And David Bowie's like, she's not your friend. <laughs> but they they wind up at that because. David Bowie says, if she kisses you, I'll make you the prince of the bog of eternal stink. And she thanks him by giving him like a kiss on the forehead. And then, well, bam, down the drain into this bog, the bog, the bog of eternal stink with. Or is it stench? I can't remember. Same same concept. Um, But then so she's without Hoggle for a little bit, right? No, uh, Ludo Ludo. is the one that has. Oh, they're without Ludo. United. It's so sweet. But the visuals. (laughs) 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 Emma was not prepared for the bog buttholes. I I was going to say, I believe the actual term was, is that a sphincter? But I prefer the alliterative bog butthole better. But, but I the, see what I did there. <laughs> the word sphincter must be used to describe just how detailed <laughs> the bubbles, the, the, the source of the bubbles. Like, like when you first glance at it, like it's a gross thought because you see these bubbles coming up through this bog. And then at some point in time, they zoom in to literally <laughs> a butthole. Like it's the sphincter. <laughs> and it's opening and closing. And there are bubbles coming from it. No expense is spared. <laughs> None. The number of fart noises. And, 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 and they were fart noises. And I think Ian lost at that point in time because... I'm not sure my face has ever displayed that much shock in a movie I have watched in a very, very long time. I was shook. Can I just say that it was someone's job? Somebody, when editing this one, they're like, sound design guy or gal. Intern. (laughs) I'm going to need a lot of fart noises. And some adult, someone who was legally allowed to vote, (laughs) sat there and put in... So many fart noises. I'm more concerned about the person that they described to. We want a bubbling bog <laughs> and we want where the bubbles are coming from to look like a sphincter. And I need this to be a butthole. And Can like, you do that? And like, you know, how, what, what? They had to go crack an anatomy textbook. <laughs> this is in the 80s. You couldn't just Google it. <laughs> they, they brought out their Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> and, and they prayed it had a picture in it. <laughs> But but yes, I was shook. It's glor- I, I do. I'm going to bring this up again at the end because I have thoughts on this and how it connects. Anyway, you'll see. You'll you're I'm really interested. Um, but we get our introduction to our last band of 
wonderful puppet misfits. What is it, Sir? D- Sir D- Dillon. Sir, Sir D- You just asked me to Sir. remember a character name. Sir, he's a little fox, and he has. Is he? I thought he was a squirrel. Oh, I thought he was a fox. I thought he was something that had been trapped in the swamp way too long. <laughs> well, we'll go with that. He couldn't smell. And we were like, wow, this really was a harbinger of COVID times. Yes. Like to be, to be <laughs> trapped in a bog of buttholes and be like, I think it smells fine to me. <laughs> the air smells so sweet. He clearly was an early infection of COVID. I I do kind of like that character, but also like if I was trapped in a labyrinth trying to rescue Ian, He'd I would be, be so annoying. I'd be like, we're not doing any Black Knight shit from Holy Grail. Like, I think I probably I would have tried to pull a Ludo and just like drop kicked that little thing off the bridge and be like, I'm going through. But then he rides a sheepdog, which is the cutest thing in the it really world. Is. <laughs> I think I looked at them. I'm like, I'm dead. They knew they had to give us something after the sphincters. <laughs> <laughs> but they, he's guarding the bridge and they have to cross. Ultimately, th- they get to cross. But we get to watch Ludo. It's Sir Didymus. Didymus. Sir mm. Didymus. Yeah, it's a terrible name. A horrible name. <laughs> it's fine because Ludo has a power that makes it all better. And it's the power to summon rocks. Because uh, Hoggle makes it across and then there's like of fun little like cotton mouse little fight between Didymus and Ludo and then Sarah's trying to cross and the bridge collapses and you guys you cannot fall into the bog of eternal stench or you will stink forever eternally it's even. a fate worse than death <laughs> especially to a 16 year old girl oh through that lens that makes so much more sense <laughs> Ian was like, why wouldn't you just wade through this bot? Like, what the fuck? You have to think that this is a bunch of, like, middle-aged men writing yeah, about a 16-year-old. Yeah. You know, you just gotta... What, what is I've a 16-year-old girl's worst fear? I've been Smelling a, bad. I've been applying this lens to every movie I watch where I'm like, that doesn't track. And then you have to think this was 40-year-old men writing it for me. I'm yeah, like, you, oh, okay, okay. You're like, that line was weird. Hold on, who wrote this? Ah, uh, uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So the rocks come down from the hilltops and provide a pathway to the other side. So now we know Ludo is a rock summoner. If anybody ever asks you, they're like, what superpower? If you have any superpower, what superpower would you have? I'm going to be like, I'd like to be able to call rocks. But that also, like all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's how like the little rocks rolled to Sarah Mm -hmm. that she could throw at the guards when they had tied up Ludo. I like, it wasn't like completely out of the blue. They had, they had put some like foreshadowing in to like prepare you for that moment. But because of the choppiness of the rest of it, you like, you're kind of like, wait a minute. Is this, does this make sense? What are the rules of this? There are none. Everything makes sense. Those were not my questions, Maggie. Well, guess Emma's questions. Actually, this was about the time I think where Emma asked, uh, one of the, I believe, two to three questions that she asked over the course of this entire film. The rest of the movie tracked. Um, which was, <laughs> how do you defeat David Bowie? What oh, is his weakness? Oh, no, 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 no. That came a little later. But oh, okay. it is, it, it is. I think, one of the most critical questions. Should, should we talk about it now? Or? No, because she hasn't defeated David Bowie yet. Yeah. No, okay. We, well, we, we, we can we, talk later about we'll, what we think David Bowie's weakness are. <laughs> we just wanted to throw that out there so you guys could think about it until we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Have your answers ready. We'll please, be taking submissions. Please. Yeah. Actually, please tweet at us um, at <laughs> Best Pictures Pod on Twitter. Um, 
and like let us know what you think David Bowie's weaknesses are um, and um, how you would defeat him in a labyrinth scenario. Or if your answer is more long form, which please God, I hope it is. Email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Yes. I, I would like to say none is an acceptable answer for weaknesses for David Bowie. It's acceptable, but I do also want to hear theories on answers other than none. It is. That's mine. So you can't take it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, my whole thing is just like, what could his weakness possibly be when all of our weaknesses are David Bowie? I, like I said, the way he looked at that camera. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So they're out moment. of the bog. They're leaving. Finally, Hoggle is like, here's the peach. And Sarah why, eats why it. Why then, Hoggle? Why? Just just don't. Hoggle is not a character to be analyzed. Well, I think Hoggle would have already like poisoned me at that point. Because he would have been rude to me once. and would have been like, fuck off, Hoggle. I don't need your help. Yeah. Well, I think I think they were getting close. Hmm. There weren't many steps they were. left. They were. And we get this. Uh, another like really just what? What is going on? Interlude. It's, it's where it starts tripping balls and then literal balls. Yes, because the little crystals uh, are, I guess, sent to her as bubbles. Um, Ludo instructed him is just no question her tripping balls in the woods. <laughs> yeah, like they keep they keep like like it's like when I go go for a walk with my husband, Brian, and like I'm like 20 feet behind and he literally cares not at all. <laughs> that was Ludo <laughs> and Serdidimus. They were like, we are going. We don't care if you're 50 feet behind. So like tripping she, balls, <laughs> tripping balls. So so she's Jennifer she, Conley's performance, though, when she takes a bite of the peach and is like, Hoggle, what have you done? Great. Yes. Oh, yeah. it plus. Like one of the three good lines in that movie. One one of the ones that could be delivered reasonably for her, yeah. and she did. She killed it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, what what has Hoggle done? Gotten her really gigantic hair and a really gigantic gown. <laughs> yeah. Which actually, though, it's the same gown that the like music box mm-hmm. um, figurine was wearing. But she's inside a masquerade bubble. Which I'm going to be honest, this scene also scared me as a child. <laughs> And as an adult, frankly. (laughs) I I mean, I'll just phrase it like this. We entered this and I'm like, I know this is a child's movie, but I feel like an orgy is about to happen at any given moment between all these people at this mass ball. Yes. All masked. All All, masked. All scary masked. Seemingly very drunk, but not a drink in sight. And then they keep flashing to David Bowie, who's clearly like making his way towards Sarah and giving the camera his sex look, which I think it's just his normal look, but I'll That's call it just his face, Emma. <laughs> his face exudes sex. But You're you can wrong. see where this my my orgy concern came from. It, yes, yes. It does not end in an orgy. No. It, <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs> it reaches a more satisfying climax. <laughs> Ian just winked at us when he said climax. <laughs> I need a second. (laughs) (laughs) And that is when she realizes what she's in and tries to leave and bursts that bubble with a chair like a badass. And the visuals are really cool where the bubble like shatters. But but what kind of snaps her out of it is she sees the clock mm-hmm. that was in her house that 
David Bowie, the, the Goblin King, used to set the time limit that she had to go get Toby. And she then sees that clock. And at this point in time, she was like, David Bowie, the Goblin King. I just keep calling him David Bowie. That <laughs> probably fine, breaks it. But like had made his way to her and was dancing with her. Like mm-hmm. he was he was um, seducing her more or less um, in a non-sexual child movie way. <laughs> Thank you for yes. specifying that, yes. because I honestly was getting like a kind of weird vibe. Like the, this is a little. Do you, do you understand why that part disturbed me? both as an adult and a child now there are some there are some weird and they they heavily make 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 up her for that point <laughs> made up made up her for that yeah. point so like there were there were some a little weird it's a little cringy. questionable um, i will say the whole thing with the peach too is it's supposed to make her forget like why she's going so mm-hmm. like the clock triggers for her that she has to be somewhere but I don't think she remembers yet right. yes. where she has to be. So it snaps her out of it. But she, yes, there's still a lack of knowledge, which I think, I think for me, these next few scenes, I think I turned to Ina Maggie partway through and I went, this is really good. Um, Was I think this these the, next the few, dump in her room? Yeah. So she, she wakes up in a dump. This after, is where we're really getting the bubble. We're really getting some like thematic stuff here mm-hmm. about like the idea of like, here's all of the stuff that like, Sarah as a character has now outgrown because she's supposed to be, I think, like 16 ish. Mm -hmm. Although some of her early lines, I'm like, these are 12 year old lines. But Uh, but it's supposed to be like a growing up story, coming of age story. And I love too the fact that all of the beings, well, the puppets in this area are holding the weight of all of the stuff that they should have left behind, but didn't. Yeah. So it's like such an interesting commentary on like, you gotta let go. Yeah. But it, it was, so she, it was so cool. She wakes up in this dump and she bumps into what at first she thought was a heap of trash. And instead it wound up being like this, a Midwestern mom, um, a, a a Midwestern <laughs> goblin mom. <laughs> She's like straight up Midwestern accent. Like, Oh, don't you know, you betcha. And, and you, what the goblin was sent there to do. And it was really interesting. I thought was, was to try and trap her in her younger age. Cause, mm-hmm. cause Sarah still couldn't remember what she she was looking for and the, and the goblin picks up her teddy bear Lancelot and goes oh this is what you were looking for and Sarah goes oh that's right I couldn't remember thank you and then the goblin takes her into her room and there's this weird like um, I thought like it made me feel very uncomfortable to see that goblin in that room just piling stuff on top of Sarah like, like here are all your th- here's the panda slippers like that you didn't want to throw out and stuff and they're literally like starting to pile it on top of her like 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 the goblin midwestern hoarder woman mm-hmm. has and she's like oh don't you know like remember your panda slippers here are these oh you betcha you you remember you remember this this is not junk this is this is precious mm-hmm. and and i think seeing the two worlds intermingled and in that they had created this as a way to try and trap her i think was just like for for the the, the failings of the writing and the plot for the rest of it i think yes. this was a incredibly impactful plot point and then just watching sarah go like this no it's junk like this isn't what is important what's important is my brother Mm -hmm. and like that's what snaps her out of it and it's it's basically her going from the beginning where she's like i hate my brother goblin king take him away right now because apparently the right now is really important but to i need to go save my brother right now they need a timeline yeah yeah how else will they know when to arrive it's one of the rules of the land. They need explicit it was implicit. deadlines. Only fucking rule. The rule was implicit. The timelines have to be explicit. 
<laughs> but but yeah, and then all of a sudden there's her friends helping pull her out from under the weight of mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, and they're they're there at the entrance of the Goblin, the City. Goblin City. Which I love the okay. They're going in, but they are stopped by a goblin automaton. <laughs> okay, you guys, you guys, you guys. In the Best Pictures podcast version of this, what happens is First off, those gates start closing really slowly. I make a fucking run for it. If I don't make it through the gates, Automaton steps out. I, excuse me, sir, right around dodge that axe through the hole that the goblin left in the gates. They stand out there trying to supposedly fight this goblin Automaton for way too long. I am so sorry to ruin your plan, but there is solid door behind the imprint of the goblin automaton hold on i gotta start thinking up a new plan continue guys (laughs) (laughs) but hoggle is not like with uh ludo and uh sir d we're just gonna call him sir d um didymus thank you uh but is the one that kind of unseats the little operator of the robot thing and, and does his whole whole deal and saves them. I do like that even the things that are scariest in this world, they're all operated by tiny little goblins that like you can just punt across the, yeah. the set. Um, you mean like Wizard of Oz? Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the books as they set the stage. Mm-hmm. I got lots of Wizard of Oz vibes from this. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. It's like Oz meets Wonderland. Um, also a lot of Marie Sindak vibes from like where the wild things are. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. another book of his that is actually like heavily referenced, um, outside over there. Mm. So in Goblin City, yay, they get to the gates of the castle. Yay. It's so close. But of course, David Bowie sent the Goblin Army in. But you know what? Thank God. <laughs> Ludo can call rocks. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it's a great little battle scene. There's so many aspects like like the the goblin army. Like we said, they create each of these. It's mm-hmm. massive. And just all the little like funny bits that go into it. It's so well staged. You have Sir Didimit, who is like, oh, my God, I love him just being like, ah, no, I have you surrounded as he's surrounded. <laughs> and like the dog like doesn't want to fight at first. And he's like, I'll never feed you again. And then like the dog puts <laughs> on the brakes and comes out. Yeah. Um, the goblin army has gunpowder, apparently. Yeah, they but, shoot smaller goblins. And a machine gun. Yeah, yes, but for every and rather than shooting cannonballs, they shoot smaller goblins dressed up as cannonballs. <laughs> it's so good. And the goblin then goes and it like rams into a wall. He's like, I hit something. Yes? No? <laughs> <laughs> like, like it just goes full Muppets. Yes, I it love does. It. But the rocks coming in are even comedic. Like, how can a rock be comedic? It can be very comedic when it is sneaking up a ridge behind the machine gun to crush it and stands up. The rock stands up at the top of this little ledge and is like, I am going to dive. Watch me as it vaults itself off of the ledge. The rock has timing. It it does. And I gave it 10 points for its dive. Yeah. 10 out of 10. So they are defeated no, there's and only, one. only the Goblin King, David Bowie, remains. Which mm. brings us back to our question, you guys. 
what is David Bowie's weakness and this how do you defeat him? Yeah. Well, really, like they enter it for so first first question first. She goes and she's like, I must go it alone. And all of her friends <laughs> I were can like, tell you right now, you guys bullshit. No, no, no. I'm my <laughs> little band of misfits as I come to save Ian. I still have a little bit of wine in my glass. We didn't lose it all when we fell earlier. I still have a little bit without wine. Picked up more on the way. Okay, I was gonna say, how have you not finished this glass of wine already? One of the people I have picked up is carrying a bottle. Perfect. Um, it's one I, of the advantages I turn of no around rules. And they're like, I open my mouth to give the speech that they, my little band of misfits all assume is that I must go it alone. And they're like, no, you don't have to go it alone. And I was like, oh no, I was going to say you should go in first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Where she's like, no, it's how it's done. I was like, all right, I disagree, but you go, girl. <laughs> Just because that's how it's always been doesn't mean that's how I have to do it. <laughs> mm. But she does because she must follow the labyrinth prophecy. And she then steps into an MC Escher poster. Here's the thing. If you're trying to defeat a villain from a book that you read, the best thing you can do is go off like off script because like that villain's going to be sitting there and they're going to be like, OK, well, now what happens is the hero is going to walk through this door. No, 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 bitch. I'm swinging through that window. You didn't see me coming. Why don't you like go through the sewers and just pop up? <laughs> Ian, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they enter into basically chaos. Asher. Yeah. 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 There's staircases going every which way. The baby's sitting over here. As Emma said, none of this is to code. None of the stairs are to code. None. But like David Bowie, he's like wa- he- walking upside down. He's like her reflection. And, and then probably the coolest one was where they had him step from like upside down around the stair to like right side up. Right side. And like, I'm like, like that happened. I just went, Ooh, <laughs> literally watching the movie. I mean, it was part his outfit part, just like the visual effect of how they did that. And I'll say that the editing here was actually fantastic because there's already the chaos in just the visual layout of a frame, just one frame, but they heighten it by the way they cut between Sarah trying to find her brother, who is also like just, you know, toddling about in this really uh, dangerous, <laughs> not to code, no handrails on no, anything. No, no, mm-hmm. no. And the rise, the rise over run is way too great. OSHA would have a <laughs> fucking field day. Um, Goblin OSHA. They, they definitely had multiple heart attacks. It, yeah. So climax of the scene is she jumps to try and get to her brother and then falls down as the world kind of disintegrates around her, which is a really cool visual, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then we get. The one speech from David Bowie where I was like, calm down. You're being dramatic. Well, it's, it's, he's basically <laughs> it's being David like, I can. Bowie. Yeah, Ian, you calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you stop being dramatic. Um, but he's saying basically like, I will give you whatever you want. Like, all you have to do is like basically admit defeat and be my subject. Or he said he would be her slave. The way he said it is weird. That's oh. like, all you have to do is like, do whatever I say and I'll be your slave. And we're over here, like, it's us with like the math in front of our faces. <laughs> yes. Like, wait. But, but it was also like a very much like a performer's way. Like, like he is a performer and he is slave to what, mm-hmm. you know, the audience wants, what the world wants, what the. When he even says, I did all of this for you. Like, this is what you wanted. Yeah. He said, oh, your expectations are exhausting which i think my mother told me multiple times growing up was she quoting <laughs> <Same>. this movie <laughs> he has some great like, she very, does have his drama he has some very great sassy lines that are kind of basically being like you know 
appealing to the fact that like Sarah needs to grow up a little bit and like mm-hmm. the dramatics that she threw at home being like no one ever consults me this is unfair she says multiple times that things are unfair and there is one in particular it's very early on when mm-hmm. he says this it's that when she says, it's when he changes the time right yes it's when he changes the time and she says it's not fair and he says you say that so often I wonder what your point of comparison is okay oh yeah cut the pretension but also you make a good point yeah. <laughs> but also like if David Bowie said that to me I'd be like, you're right. <laughs> what is my point of comparison? But the key thing here is she she remembers the line that she's been trying to learn the entire. Well, we saw her trying to learn it in the beginning and now she remembers it and it's you have no power over me. And bam, because she's an independent apart. woman and she don't need no goblin king. Nope. So my question is and, and I think part of like when he was giving her that speech is like it was kind of like you created me. I am slave to what you have made Mm -hmm. so what have you made and you know what i love is when she's back in her room there's a goblin king figurine on her vanity yes which i think leads us back do we have a weakness for david bowie because she defeats him by saying you have no power over me but is that really a weakness or is that her finding a strength i was gonna say if I'm in that situation, one of two things happens. He either says something to me and I go, but don't, don't tell me what to do, <laughs> which is effectively the same thing. And which I've told Ian before when he told me to drive home safely. And then I immediately <laughs> apologize. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Knee jerk reaction. <laughs> or I never find out what David Bowie's weakness is. Cause he's like, I will trade your podcast host for whatever your wildest dreams are. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, do I get to stay with David Bowie? Yeah, you do, actually. So we're saying so this really is a win-win. win-win. <laughs> <laughs> I did this for you. <laughs> I like looking at you and I'm like, you good? You good? <laughs> Thumbs up? Okay, cool. Yeah, trade's good. Do we think his weakness could be a world without glitter? <sighs> like, so, all okay, you, all actually. All you need is a like, vacuum, like, like his, a really good vacuum. Like his secret power comes from the glitter there's a lot of it's glitter. His, okay but also you know you never get rid of glitter true so, so true. that's why i said you need a really good vacuum cleaner but like Do are the, we talking like stanley steamer professional is this like i think we're talking miel canister you know the whole I don't know what the that story is. it's a very nice brand of vacuum <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Don't ask me why I know You know this. the story of the guy. They also make dishwashers. I think it's Sisyphus who's like pushing the boulder up yes, the that's hill. Yes, is. is like the modern day version of that. Just trying to get rid of glitter. <laughs> like that's your hell. But David Bowie's heaven. <laughs> but that's how he creates hell for everyone else. It's Sarah will forever find glitter in everything. I have to get rid of glitter. I think maybe this is now has, canon. Maybe she just has to embrace the glitter. And that is her challenge for her foreseeable future. So you actually can't win. Like, basically, David Bowie's weakness is whatever your weakness is. Or his, no, his strength is your weakness. I don't know. I was going to be like, I don't know how we got from glitter to that. If he's in your (laughs) mind, if if she created him, then theoretically, wouldn't his weakness be whatever her weakness is? I think it would only, his weakness would be her idea of what his weakness is. Then I'm going to decide his weakness is something really simple. The wine I have left from my journey. Tiny spiders with little clown shoes. (laughs) That's so specific and it doesn't need to be. It's also a reference to Thrilling Adventure Hour. (laughs) A favorite podcast of mine when they battle the clown in the well. It's so good. Okay, so... So my weakness for David Bowie was 
not glitter, but the absence of glitter. Mm -hmm. Your weakness, your vote for David Bowie's weakness is whatever you create in your mind. Yeah. And what's what's your vote for David Bowie's weakness? Tiny spiders with the little clown shoes. Isn't that whatever? Did you not just create that in your mind? Emma, Emma. (laughs) We're just we're 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 fucking stuck with David Bowie. He's never saving us. Look, like five, frankly. Like like I only have four questions through this whole video, and like Ian's response right now is question number five. And really, it's just me with the math in front of my face, looking really confused. Anyway, don't worry about it. It might make sense someday. It won't. Anyways, we're we're, <laughs> pro- we're approaching. I think my two my questions came heavy towards the end. <laughs> they did. <laughs> we get this such a sweet scene where it's clear that Sarah is realizing she has grown, and she sees her friends from the labyrinth in the mirror, and she's like, "I'd be like, am I still tripping?" <laughs> yes, she she. So David Bowie basically like disappears. Yeah, and she returns home. Mm-hmm. But they give this wonderful speech about how they'll always be there if they need her. And this is where I'm bringing back the theme of growing from a child into an adult. But the need to not fully get rid of your child. It's always there if you need it. And that's why they needed the fart jokes do in you, the bog of eternal stench. Do, do, do you mean to not get rid of your child or your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't don't get you know what? neither. Don't get rid of either of them. <laughs> Because Toby Toby made it back, too. He was safe in his crib. She checked. <laughs> okay, well, I meant childhood, but both. <laughs> okay, but anyway, all of a sudden, there is a goblin party in her room, and they're wearing party hats. And so Emma's second question of this was, why are they wearing party hats? And I just love that hats. that was that, the question. Just so much happened over the course of this movie. And that's what got you. Maybe I was just like so, so lost for so much of it. But this seemed like a tangible question I could ask. There, there were so few other actual like, tan- like besides just like huh, this one. Why are they wearing party hats? And I think at some point in time too, um, the Goblin King like exited the house because he had entered oh, in the as the owl. And I'm like, where is the owl gonna go? And then we all, Ian Sagita and I go, I don't know. Out of window, cut to it flying out of a window. I just. Was concerned that there wasn't an open window. Well, when we're in the fantasy realm, Emma's like, no questions. Yep, totally checks out. When we're in Makes the sense. real world, though, she's like, hang on. I, there's there's birthday hats. I have a reference for what should be happening, and this isn't it. Ugh. I haven't seen Tenet yet, guys, but something tells me I'll get every bit of it. <laughs> oh, boy. So this, again, we are, we are at the end. Of this movie, which was a wild visual ride that I love. It's fun. It's so fun. Worth a watch. 100%. And if you like Jim Henson, like especially worth a watch. I mean, it, it is so visually interesting and intriguing. I mean, like so many Jim Henson movies. And no, I've never I've seen like little bits of it. But I mean, I love Jim Henson. I love David Bowie. I it's been on my to watch list for a really long time. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. So solid recommendation all around from mm-hmm. us, obviously. And uh, I guess that moves into closing since we won't really be doing rankings. Um, I guess first off, just like thank you to everyone um, who's been listening for the past three years. Ian and I 100% started this as like a this will be fun for us and no one will listen and that's fine. But 
it's been so fun having people who do listen and engage with us. So we really appreciate all of you. And for people who are newer, we also really appreciate you. Um, and we're looking forward to you sticking around and we would definitely recommend going back and watching those other two anniversary episodes mm-hmm. we did. They're a very similar vibe. If you enjoyed this one very much are, I know I just definitely do appreciate you know, you all taking the time to to listen through some of these movies with us every other ish week, <laughs> <laughs> especially through, you know, this last wonderful year of uh, uh, COVID. So, um, yeah, uh, this podcast definitely helped keep me sane mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. during that period. So. Thanks again to Emma for joining us for if our third. If you want to hear more Emma, I highly recommend you go listen to our Christmas story episode that she was on, I guess, a year ago. I think about a year. Yeah. I think I did two years ago. No. You, had, you had Matt last year. Oh, yeah. You're so right. I guess you were two years ago. But that is also a great episode that we highly recommend you mm-hmm. listen to. Um, and I believe, were you also on our Young Frankenstein episode or was that Sangita? That was Sangita. Mm-hmm. I was um, in Puerto Rico at the time, sadly. Oh. oh, that's right. I just know that's a movie you and I quote at each we, other we constantly. It, I, I only appear for comedies, guys, if you've noticed. <laughs> we're going to get you <laughs> on worry, for you Halloween. You guys, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> really, me just for Halloween would be me, Emma, me shrieking your, and moaning. Emma, close your ears. We'll, we'll trick her. We'll trick her. <laughs> It no no treat <laughs> wink wink treat for you guys treat for you guys um but yeah so I guess that closes this one out for us um if you want to find us on Instagram or Twitter we are at Best Pictures Pod on both like I said please tweet us your theories of David Bowie's weakness I want to hear all you would vanquish the Goblin King <laughs> um also you can email us in at Best Pictures Podcast at gmail And then join us next time for, I know we'll be entering the 80s. Yeah, our very first 80s film, Ordinary People. Don't know what that is. Don't tell me. It'll be a surprise. I mean, if it's anything like Kramer versus Kramer, we'll be pleasantly surprised. Not optimistic, but we'll see. Cool. Join (laughs) us for that. And um, we'll see if I don't send Ian to the Goblin King before then, because uh, you might be getting on my nerves. I'm just saying.